Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. But when it gets that hot, there's there's nothing you can do to prepare for that. And you know, it, it, I've had races before in in a couple of spring to mind. Um, Austin, the World Endurance Championship, 2016. A lot of drivers had to go to the medical center and some to hospital with heat stroke. And however, and I'm not taking I am not taking anything away from him. It's more than just a driver. It's it's the team behind him. Uh, in the last three races, McLaren have scored 104 points. Wow. The oh. second, the team in second is Red Bull, and they've got 75. Hello and welcome back to the On Track GP podcast where today we are going through everything that happened at the Qatar Grand Prix this weekend. We had a sprint, we had a race, we had a lot of track limits and we had a lot of drama and we're going to get into it. And I'm joined today, of course, by Richard. Lovely to see you as always. And also today, Rachel as well. Lovely to have you back. Rachel, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Um, I felt a bit cheeky coming in here saying, God, it's hot, it's hot outside. <laughs> I've never known such heat when we're going to talk about the race it's like yeah well there was a I lot of, a lot of uh, a lot of drama and Richard it'll be very interesting to get your take on that because you've driven in cars in that kind of heat uh, yeah. which must be pretty unpleasant it's it's you can't actually describe it like there's, there's a point where when you're driving and you're in a normal temperature there is a point where you feel the physicality of it and that's what you train for but when it gets that hot there's there's nothing you can do to prepare mm. for that and you know, it, it, I've had races before in, in a couple of spring to mind, um, Austin, the, the World Endurance Championship 2016. A lot of drivers had to go to the medical center and some to hospital with heat stroke. And I remember being in that race and you, you your brain almost stops being able to compute to your body. And I remember once I had one an oversteer moment and I caught it instinctively, but then my body reacted after I'd already caught it. So just your brain doesn't really process information properly. And it gets to the point where it is just downright dangerous. Mm. I mean, you saw the comments of the drivers, some of them throwing up, you know, you saw the videos, everyone collapsing afterwards. And it's it, at some point for me, it becomes a little bit too dangerous. Well, we'll have a talk about the race generally uh, later and about, you know, where it lands in the calendar and also geographically, does it make sense to kind of uh, change it? But for now, let's go to the main highlight of the weekend, which is Max Verstappen officially. I mean, we've known since about, you know, I'd say late March that he yeah. was going to win the first yeah. <laughs> win the uh win the World Drivers' Championship, but he has now officially won it. He is, he's unsurpassable, and congratulations, three in a row. What do you make of generally what Max Verstappen has done over the last three years and also uh, this this last season? I mean, you can't fault him for how great he has performed this year, and you compare it to his first win. He's, he's done amazingly, kept his cool, been incredibly focused. It's, however, and I'm not taking, I am not taking anything away from him. It's more than just a driver. It's it's the team behind him. It's probably, it's it's everything. It's everything, not just him. That's worked, come together, and worked fantastically. And I think, you know, this is a new era of Formula One with the aerodynamics. Obviously, the RB19 has brought that to the table. It's so yes, without 
uh, without Newey joining the team, you I don't think Red Bull would be where they are. So it's great for Max Verstappen, but he's, I guess, he's a big cog in the machine, but it comes down to everyone working together, which other teams do need to look at. I mean, it's been unbelievable what Red Bull have uh, delivered this season and we'll talk about Sergio a little bit later but let's stay uh, with Max for now how far away is he from being an all-time great do you think Richard uh, he's still he's still you know he's he's definitely entering the conversation there's no question um, but I still stand by what I've said is that you know he is in he is in a position where he's got a great team around mm-hmm. him and you know obviously the car the car is very very you know it's, it's it's superior at the minute okay when Sergio's having a good day he gets the most out of it and he's struggling there is taking nothing away from Max I mean at times this year he kind of reminds me of the Terminator you know you just can't <laughs> stop him yeah. he's just this unstoppable force that, that's coming and you know remember like some of the moments through the season Miami where Alonso said yeah lap 25 he's going to overtake me shock it happened yeah. um and you know obviously three titles in a row but I still think that if we're talking about the all-time greats, mm. you know, they firstly you have to remember, okay, Max has done a lot of races, but there's a lot more races now than there used to be. When Senna, Schumacher, people like that were were doing their seasons, there was only sixteen, 16 races. A year. So in terms of all the stats, yeah, but it, it's very very impressive. But weighing it up against those, obviously, if you have got a good car, then that period lasts for longer. Now. I think we will see a, a period where Red Bull won't have the most dominant car because that's the ebbs and flows of Formula One. And, you know, the historically, the FIA and, and FOM have always tried to target the dominant team. We saw it with the with the Williams situation at the, um, at the end of 1993. We've seen it with the Ferrari situation at the end of 2004. And they will, they will be away and Red Bull won't always have the best car. And then we're going to mm. really see how, how good Max Verstappen is. But as I said, don't get me wrong, this year, as I said, he's been like the Terminator sometimes. You know, like Terminator 2, where he's running after that car. Yeah. And it's just unstoppable. <laughs> That's what it looked like at times, you know. What a comparison. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I like it. Strong imagery. Yeah, yeah it really uh, is. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible and fair play to him. And now he can just sit back, relax and enjoy the rest of the season. I don't think he will. I think no, he'll still he dominate it completely. <laughs> um, but let's have a look uh, at McLaren. OK, so this again, a double podium for them this weekend, talking about the main uh, the main race on Sunday. But also on Saturday, mm. Oscar Piastri got his first win. Oh, a little bit awkward. He's got a win before Lando Norris, which is a little bit like, oh, nobody really saw that coming what do you think Lando Norris's response to that is going to be do you think inside he's going to be absolutely fuming that uh Piastri the rookie has got a win before him I don't think he'll be fuming I just think it'll add more of a fire to his belly um it was amazing I mean Piastri really is the the rookie of dreams you I mean it's McLaren must be rubbing their hands together and obviously it didn't happen overnight for Piastri he had to take a year you know waiting to join a Formula One I think it's going to be, it's, I love the two of them. I love the fact that we've got great one and two with these with these guys. And I've said for a little while, Piastri will eventually take over from Lando being, you know, you think Lando's Ooh, number like one, Piastri's number two. Piastri's brilliant at what he does. And he's so young and still very calm, composed. I wouldn't be like that winning this is why I'm not driving. Many reasons why I'm not driving, <laughs> not just that. Um, so yeah, I think it'll give. You know, he's a driver at the end of the day. Uh, Lando is. He's gonna want to win, of course. You know, he's not gonna be like, oh, it's for the greater good of the team. He wants to get that win mm. in. So it can only be a good thing to make a driver not 
completely rest or think I'm the number one and that's it. I think it's injecting life into McLaren, but they've got enough life right now. They're brilliant. I think he needs to get a win. I think Lando Norris has to now go and make something happen. Even if it's in a sprint, we've got a sprint in Austin in two weeks time. Richard, what do you think about Lando Norris? I I think uh, one of the things which I thought was really, really good, and it says a lot about the way that McLaren is and the harmony within that squad at the minute was Lando. He made some very, very minor mistakes of the weekend. And we're talking millimeter things. He didn't do anything stupid, but his pace was there the whole weekend. And he was able to just come out and own up about those, you know, very openly. And, you know, that that shows that you've got a, a management structure and you've got a, a unit within that team that believes in their drivers, that they have the confidence to say that. Because normally drivers do their absolute best when they're under pressure or not in a comfortable environment to hide it. I think the the infamous one that is easiest to remember is Nicholas Satifi taking the wrong circuit at Suzuka in practice and blaming the car. Oh, that was that was that was a low <laughs> yeah. moment in yeah. Formula One. That is a driver who is not comfortable <laughs> oh, in his, that. he's not comfortable in his surroundings and feels like he has to defend mm. himself. And to be honest, I, I don't think Lando will care one bit with Oscar winning a race because when you're when he's he's been consistently beating Oscar through the year and it's good for him that Oscar's pushing him mm. now. And to be honest, mm. it looks like it's raised Lando's game. And honestly, when you're in that position, uh, and every other driver is just another helmet. You don't really care who they are, you know. As long as you know that you're you're doing your job to the maximum, which I think Lando is, he won't care. He'll just be trying to get that first win. And you know, we it's annoying for him, but Lando still had an absolutely cracking yeah, year. Yeah, There's no question. Generally, yeah. for McLaren this season, I mean, I don't know if I can ever remember a mid-season resurgence better than what they've mm. done. You you remember when first first race right Lando Norris did about six pit stops and they were it was this, it, you thought they were going to be back makers for the season yeah. and then suddenly something changed they brought the upgrades and now they're the well they're definitely the, 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 the best of the rest out of the last three races who is the top scoring team it'd be McLaren wouldn't it with, it is McLaren yeah. <laughs> uh, with how many points ooh Ah. <laughs> <laughs> how many points have McLaren got I'm in the last I'm not good at mental arithmetic <laughs> in the last three it is that they are the top scoring team 73 okay 73 I was going to go a little higher but now it scares me go on <laughs> um, let's come I'll go 80 okay 80 uh, in the last three races McLaren have scored 104 points wow the oh. second the team in second is Red Bull and they've got 75 blimey so they've scored uh, nearly nearly 40 points. No, sorry, nearly 30 points more than wow. Red Bull. I mean, that's, that, uh, in three races. That's, that's really impressive. There's, that know, shows the level that McLaren yeah. are at. We were talking about yeah, it before before we started filming and I've got, you know, through some connections, I'm very close to someone who's very senior in one of the Formula One teams and we always have a chat after the first pre-season test and um, he said McLaren are absolutely screwed. They are absolutely nowhere. And to, and to be honest, after your first test, you know within about an hour whether you're going to have a good year or not or whether you're going to start having a good year. So for them to have that resurgence, I think you're right. I can't remember any team coming back like that. You know, I, I'm thinking I'm having to go back to the 80s. I think yeah. a Ferrari in 87 maybe, but that's, no, I can't, not in, not in recent times. Yeah, and particularly with so much technology, there's so much to do. It's not like, oh, let's just, you know, I don't know, lift the car up a bit and see if it goes quicker. <laughs> there's so much data yeah. to go through. Fair play to the people yeah. in the McLaren garage because mm. they've done, and, and also they did the fastest pit stop in history this yes, weekend 
a yeah. 1.8. Yeah, that's incredible. That's brilliant. Four tyres. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quick like, fit ain't doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're really not. They're not coming close. <laughs> no. They're really not. I mean, that is, yeah, that is exceptional. Uh, let's move to uh, the other team beginning with M, Mercedes, where we saw a little bit of spice in that first corner. It looked like it was going to be a really big weekend for Mercedes. Yeah. A massive point scorer. Big opportunity for Lewis to breathe down the neck in the drivers' championships of Sergio to go and get second. He's put on the soft tyre, and well, we saw what happened. There was a, a big incident that mm. ruled out his race in the first corner. Rachel, what did you make of it? What was your initial thought when that happened? Do you know what? Obviously, I know, I know Hamilton, being the sportsman that he is, has come out and apologised. But, and there is a big but here, he started on softs. And originally, I was like, surely it. This the incident here starts before the contact. Surely the team had some kind of strategy meeting and George knew, okay, if Lewis is starting on soft, he's going to be faster off from the start. Like I don't un like why did uh, Russell put himself in that in that position and I, I you know, I do find George Russell a little bit arrogant if I'm absolutely honest. He goes on about it's for the team, but I don't think it is. But then you look at when it was say Hamilton and Alonso back in the day and I see a lot of George Russell in Hamilton at the start when it's got that, 100%. you know, aggression. So yeah, and then since then there's been reports that there was a strategy meeting. And so therefore did George not take that on board? Mm. So, I don't know, it's a little bit, and I, I guess we'll never really know because I mean, things do seem like they are falling apart slightly within Mercedes, but yeah, I think there's this. Uh, Richard, what did you what did you make of that? incident i think it was it was an interesting one because you know we had first-hand evidence from the sprint on saturday just how effective the soft was at the beginning of the race i mean it was massively faster than the medium plus also we had the drop-off now there's absolutely no question that lewis squeezed george and didn't leave george enough room absolutely no question um but i think that it was going still going to be a long shot for george to be able to overtake verstappen and I think George could have backed out of that, mm. slotted in behind Verstappen and then waited for Lewis and, and Verstappen to have their inevitable side-by-side -side battle and then maybe pick up the pieces. So whilst it was 100% Lewis's fault um, and, you know, he, he left George with no, with no option, mm. I do think that George could have looked maybe at the bigger picture. And of course, as Rachel said, I, I, this 100% would have been discussed in a strategy meeting before the race. Whenever you've got teammates starting near each other, you always, always talk about various scenarios. So I think it... It, as I said, 100% Lewis's fault, but I expect as a bigger picture, the situation could have been managed a little bit better. Yeah, interesting. Um, let's move to the other side of Red Bull with Sergio Perez. And yes, your face sums it up pretty perfectly, yeah. I think. Um, just to sort of remind you of, of the, the series of events. So he was knocked out uh, in Q2 on qualifying for the main race on Friday. Uh, and then in the sprint race, he was involved in a collision with Nico Hülkenberg and Esteban Ocon, which took him out. And then he was forced to start Sunday from the pit lane uh, because they had to fix his car under Park Fermi rules uh, before the race and ended up scoring a mighty one point. Uh, I think he had three penalties in the end. And Christian Horner came out with a pretty mm. damning interview after, which I'll tell you some of the things he said. He went on longer than this. But we have to talk to Checo after the race about why he had such a hard time with track limits. It was a tough race and a tough weekend for him. Luckily, Lewis didn't score any points and Fernando didn't score much either. So he's still second. He desperately needs to find his form again desperately but for me being the key word there what do you make of Sergio Perez 
you know, but one thing as well, what Christian Horner said, that he's admitted that Red Bull no longer have a pair of drivers like Formula One rivals, Mercedes, Ferrari and McLaren. And oh. I think that says it all. That kind of says, yeah, he's not, Perez isn't, we all know he's not performing Ouch. up to where he should. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's kind of, yeah, that did pinch a little bit. It's hard because Perez is Perez and there's a soft spot for him. And I think anyone, you know, I think everyone He's probably a has. Guy. Yes, <laughs> and, and we're all so happy for him when you know Red Bull signed him, and it was just. But he's just not. He's not up to it. I don't know how else to articulate it. P forty five on the way. Do you think he's on his way out for next season? Oh yeah. You don't think he'll make it to twenty four? And no, I don't. It's a business at the end of the day. I mean, mm. I know he's probably bringing in a lot of money, um, through sponsorships. However, it's still a business, and the team could be you know, a team to be reckoned with if they're one and two were one and two all the mm. time. Um, so, I, no, I don't I don't see how they could have him next year. There's so many other drivers. Do you agree, Richard? Do you think he'll be there next season or do you think he'll be on his way out? I mean, out? If, it, uh, if he finishes second, then he's got a very strong case to be, to be there because, you know, he's gone, well, I finished second and what more do you want me to do, basically? And then I think he'll be on very thin ice going into next year because the problem will be, as I said, there will be a time when Red Bull don't have the dominant car. Look at how much McLaren have caught them up and, you know, there'll be evolution into next year. And that's when you're going to need somebody who's seriously there. And and Christian's statement is right. They don't have, it's almost starting to look nearly as bad as the Alonso Stroll situation. It's uh, not far off. It's, it's such a good yeah. comparison. You're, it's yeah. not far off. It's, it's not far off. And this weekend just summed it up. You know, I, the sprint race, to be honest, I think he was he was an innocent victim there. Ocon, mm. you know, probably needed a bit more spatial awareness in that. Um, but saying that, you know, having driven cars like that myself, you will be amazed at how little you can see in one of those, especially on side to side. Um, but it's it's just it, there's just no zip there, and the worst thing is now he's got to that stage. It's almost like it's almost like what's happening with Logan Sargent, whereby he's now starting to try too hard and the mistakes are coming. So he's driving through frustration. Uh, I tell you, he needs the end of the year more than anybody. Yeah, but he if he finishes second in the championship, then I, I can't see how Red Bull can replace him. And he probably will. It yeah. felt like if there was ever a moment where Lewis would be able to catch up with him, with Sergio starting from the pit lane and Lewis starting third, there was a real chance mm. for, for Lewis to dent 18, maybe 15 points into him. And I think Sergio's got away with one. To and be the other thing is now honest. that Red Bull have sewn up both championships, there might also be the fact of Max actually helping out Sergio a little bit. Um, Interesting. You know uh, whether Max will want to do, will actually listen to the orders and do it is another question. We've certainly seen that he's not too keen on that in the past. Brazil last it was year. Brazil last year. Yes. Um, but there is there is that possible option. The last. Oh, sorry. No, no. Please. No, I was going to say. I still don't see Perez wherever he ends up this year. He won't be in Red Bull next year. Who who goes there for you then? Oh, I mean, we have a lot of there's a lot of good rookie drivers out there. Um, but they've all all the ones in the past came victim to the Verstappen curse though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the, the thing. Issue, and right? that's what we, people were joking about with Perez. Yeah. Going Gasly, to Red Bull. Perez and, have all yeah, been battered yeah. by him. But I don't, th I think there are other drivers. I mean, uh, I don't want to say Danny Rick because... I mean, for, Formula I One is also obvious. one of those situations. It's like football. Everybody has a contract, but there's always a price and a way to get everybody 100%. out of their contract. You can get anybody out of it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. quite sure that if Red Bull came and said to Alex, hey, Alex, do you want to have another crack at the whip and a new mature Alex Albon 
going up against that would be good he, he would be, be they very, would very be able good. to get away to get him out of that contest yeah for 100%. sure i mean if i'm at personally if i'm alex like Albon, i wouldn't touch red bull with a barge pole. No, agreed not uh, at this stage in his career forget it he's doing yeah. he's doing really good things yeah. with williams and they look like they're having a resurgence so and there'll be I'd, other I'd there'll be other there. teams that will come up for him in the future you know at some point lewis is going to retire yeah oh know, he'd be a shoe in at Merck. i mean exactly yeah the ferrari situation if if the rumors are true and science goes to audi you know there's going to be very very big seats and opportunities will come for alex and i think alex at the age he is he's having a good career at the minute he's very stay happy where to he stay is. where he what is what about liam lawson and it's too early for him 100 percent too early 100 percent too yeah. early to be put um, in that seat i mean the only i suppose uh, it's a very powerful seat isn't it yeah he, he, he i think he will be in there i think mm. he's definitely good I enough, do. no question but it's just it, you know he's 19 years old <laughs> so young oh wow <laughs> i mean he's done so well oh. since coming in liam lawson it's, it's, it, that was his last race which is a shame because he finished plum last and and didn't do so well in I the mean, sprint either so it's a sad way for him to leave but overall i think his f1 moment was really strong yeah i mean just remember if liam lawson came into the if, if liam lawson's in the alpha tower in austin and he ends up on the podium he won't be able to drink the alcohol <laughs> so that's that's how much time that guy has yeah do you know what yeah let him wait he doesn't deserve that seat the last team i want to give a little shout to out of nowhere is alfa romeo yeah. with a yeah. double pointer six six huge points for them bottas taking four and joe taking uh two amazing right Brilliant. how did that happen ruth ruth um bunscum i think that's how you pronounce yeah. the name who deals with all the strategy brilliant Killed excellent him. work for her yeah. I, I i think Obviously, you know, the drivers played their part, clearly, but it all comes down to the strategy. Yeah, incredible. And an early, early pit stop, she did fantastic. Do you know the other thing as well? Shout out to Guan Yu Zhou, because I feel I like him. he's been getting a bit of stick like when his contract was coming up and everything. And he's just been getting on with his business just very yeah. silently. He's been keeping Bottas very, very honest. Yeah. And I think a lot of the criticism that he was getting um you know when his contract was coming up was completely unjustified mm. and i think he's actually done a, a very very solid job since since he's come yeah in. he stays in his own lane and that's very similar to lando mm. as in like not reacting it's all about staying in your own lane let everyone else get on with things there's always going to be drama there's always going to be politics yeah. especially in formula one and when you're you know the top of your of your career there's always going to be politics he stays in his lane and i think he's a i think it's a great one too and i think he's a great driver i think i like I, him i have to say alfa romeo probably like on, pa on paper, when you look at it, have the most boring driver lineup in Formula One. <laughs> and and car. Uh, I mean, it looks yeah. amazing, but it's not quick. What, what, no. I, what I mean by that is Bottas and Joe just get on with their business. Yeah. They're just complete and utter professionals. <laughs> they go, they don't make huge mistakes. They, they do what they're supposed to do. And I think both of them really don't get the credit that they deserve for that. Mm. And we're seeing it with, with Sergio Perez. You know, we're seeing it with, with um, Lewis and George as the odd mistake. Obviously, we saw it this weekend. But those two just continuously year after year. Yeah. Okay, well, in Bottas' case, not so much Joe's. They just get on with their job. And they're yeah. very solid, you know. And I, I, I can't see any reason you'd ever think about replacing those two at the minute. And Joe Guan Yu started 19th and finished 9th. Yeah, he went up exactly. 10 places. Yeah. I mean, there's a shout for driver of the day with that sort of yeah. performance. So, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, we saw, as we mentioned at the beginning, physically unbelievably mm. difficult uh, race yesterday and this is just a few of the things that happened we saw Logan Sargent uh, retire because he literally mm. felt so unwell and then you cut to that helmet cam of him when he retires and his eyes are like all over the place mm. like, oh, he was not well Esteban Ocon threw up in his helmet which and then carried on and finished the race awful Stroll almost passed out getting out of the car uh, Albon went to the medical centre Russell was saying that he almost fainted during the race I mean unbelievably tough mm. physical conditions and this race uh, we didn't have it in 22 but in 21 it was six weeks later so six weeks cooler than this point in the year uh i mean 
there's an argument of should we be racing in those hotter conditions i mean it's 50 degrees i believe it was in the cockpit with everything yeah. it was yeah. crazy crazy heat and, i mean is that safe for drivers you've got to start looking at it like that is it safe i think it was lance stroll that said he felt faint yeah in he there. felt like he was passing so out what would the it... problem is drivers will never you we're wired we will never ever yeah. ever say that it's too difficult or it's too hot mm. during the race we, we will go to the point of passing out and crashing rather than than say yeah. that and yeah it, it, but that does get a point where it just becomes completely mental so i don't know either i mean logistics can they like do this race later on in the season i'm not quite so sure do it on a different circuit maybe so it's not quite so demanding yeah. from the drivers well that's it it's and, and also on top of that because it, there was no element at all in any of the race of okay i can just control save my tires because there was the mandatory 18 yeah. uh, lap stop yeah. so they had to drive basically like it was basically it was three sprint races back to back yeah. they had to drive at maximum like endurance capacity. racing they kept comparing it to like the mon at times yeah i mean the, the, the difference is like when whenever we do these races the, the, the really difficult ones is when you've got a closed cockpit because then the temperatures are just completely insane and uh, that's when it gets really tough but when we have an open cockpit when i've done hot races as i said austin brazil bahrain spring to mine we're always kind of managing the tires and when you're driving probably three tenths four tenths half a second off the pace it the difference to go and find that extra half second and doing qualifying laps for the whole stint it's like doubling the amount of energy needed mm. so i think they probably would have been okay had they not had yeah. that three stop uh that three stop rule. yeah um but i i you know they they do need to think about it of course formula one is a huge juggernaut and there's obviously a lot of other things to consider marketing time of year etc etc but they do need to have a bit of, of thought of the drivers in this you know abu dhabi for example they have it in november december every year and there's never a problem with yeah, it true. Yeah. much cooler just having it a few weeks later maybe and they're starting to have a look at this because also when you look at the green side of formula one the schedule is ridiculous you know the fact that we're now oh, going to go the all green the, side the, i mean <laughs> yeah. the last two races we go from vegas to abu dhabi yeah. i mean it's, it's like, absolutely and, and brazil i mean it's a joke and yeah, yeah ridiculous. And we've had bahrain and Jeddah at the beginning of the year and now we're in qatar and abu dhabi's in a few weeks but we're just going to go to the other side of the world in between and you know but they are they are starting to use a bit more common sense with the calendar next year you know as i said having spent so much time in japan they're moving suzuka from typhoon season which I, I don't know why on earth they oh, have yeah. it then to... Um, Snapless when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's literally typhoon season. There's probably... I've had it in Japan before where in two months we had three typhoons in that period. Yeah, and I mean, typhoons are like full on. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they do need they do need to think about it. Yeah. And I think the green side of it is under a bit more scrutiny. So they will group these races in, in cooler periods. Obviously, the European block has to be in, in the summer because otherwise every race will just be a, a, a wipeout. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where do you see uh, the season finishing now? Who do you guys see uh, taking second in the constructors and taking second uh, in the drivers championship as well? Ooh. Because, well, here you are. I'll give you. I'll give you some points. But uh, for me, I think uh, Mercedes will lock up mm. the second in the. Uh, constructors championship yeah. i can't i thought for a moment it looked like ferrari were on a little bit of a rise mm. carlos Sainz didn't even start yesterday and charles leclerc started finished where he started and kind of didn't really make much of a splash um red bull have obviously won it with 657 you've got mercedes on 326 points ferrari behind on 298 aston martin on 230 and mclaren now only 11 points behind aston martin on 219 where do those next four mercedes ferrari aston martin and mclaren how do they end up uh, come Abu Dhabi? 
I think Mercedes will be second. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that Ferrari will be third. And then I think McLaren mm. will be ahead of Aston Martin. Yeah. Is there a shout that McLaren, bearing in mind that we've just said in the last three races, they've scored 104 points. Could Ferrari push for third and be chasing down the tail of Ferrari? They're about, let's sort of call it about 80 points off uh, Ferrari at the moment. I think, you know, the problem is the races that are coming up don't actually suit Ferrari that much. And they suit the uh, the McLaren concept quite a bit. Um, there's two, there's a few anomalies, though. I think Ferrari will be very strong in Mexico um, yeah. because you're less reliant on downforce there because the air density is so, so small because it's at altitude. And obviously it's 90 degree corners. They've been very good there. Um, you've got Brazil, which is just a complete, madness god knows what's going to happen there every Brilliant. year Can't wait. it's always yeah. it's always something it's like lewis chaos. coming from the back and winning like but you every, never know yeah. but every race day in every category like for, doesn't matter whether it's formula one every race at sao paulo is just completely mental <laughs> for whatever reason love it i mean we had a world endurance championship race there we you know i think that half the field didn't finish we ended up winning the race by 18 laps because everybody else in our category crashed including us <laughs> love <know>? it <laughs> so it's just brazil it just has that habit but no um I think that uh, I, I can't see Ferrari, you know, they, they, they seem to have circuits which they're good at. You know, mm. they were good at Baku this year. They've been good in Singapore. They don't seem to have any evolution, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think Mercedes are, are very consistent. Obviously, McLaren are coming in now, but they were just too far at the start. Mm. And Aston Martin, I'm sorry, but Stroll, if Stroll has a few more weekends like this, then uh, they've got no hope. You in agreement, Rachel? Do you think that's the order that ends well, I up? I totally agree with you. And you describe Ferrari very well there. You do feel like they are quite now... The staggering. You're not going to see any real improvement, any greatness from Ferrari. And I kind of feel like that coming into next year. I know we can worry about next year a bit later on. But, yeah, they don't kind of... No, we'll be back. Oh, we'll oh, be yeah. back next year. <laughs> yeah, I just... No, not when you see, again, the progress of McLaren. Mercedes will be back with a yeah. vengeance. No, Sorry. we will be as well. I believe it. Uh, we are going <laughs> racing next in Austin. We expect to see Daniel Ricciardo back. I mean, he'll do anything to race there because he loves the place. <laughs> he'll race it on a horse if he has to, like last year. Um, Richard, just talk us through a little bit about that track, that Austin track. It's what can we expect? Awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Um, just everything about it, you know, the, the atmosphere around the place, the city, the fans are awesome. Um, obviously, a really good combination of high speed, very similar to Silverstone and Suzuka in Sector 1. You've got the very technical Sector 3. Um, the interesting thing is with Austin is over the years, um, they've had big issues with bumps. And the bumps, even though they've tried to get rid of the bumps, they keep coming back because I think it's because of the extreme temperatures they have there. They have extreme weather in the winter and they have extreme weather in, in the summer. Um, so honestly, every year they go back, the bumps get worse. So I think a lot of it will depend on how well the cars ride those bumps. Um, but for me, it's, it's one of the best races of the calendar. And also, you know, F Formula One in America becoming ever popular. Mm. I think there was 400,000 people at the race there last yeah, year. That's madness. Wow. It's completely insane. And the, Amer the Americans, you know, they, they do their sport properly. So yeah. I think it will be, uh, unfortunately, I hate to say this, I think it will be a Max Verstappen uh, whitewash again. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Lewis can do there. He's historically been very good there. Um, he obviously, I think he won a championship there. He had the infamous gust of wind incident with Nico, uh, Nico mm. Rosberg. Um, the weather can always be a bit tr tricky there as well. We have seen rain there. Um, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Austin. It's one of my favourite circuits in the world. Same for you, Rachel. Looking forward to it? I'm really looking forward to it. And it's the hype, isn't it? Like, with, like you said, with the way America and Americans do sport, it's a performance. It's a show. 
and that's what you get. You get it from you got it from Vegas. Um, you get it from Miami. You get it. Yeah, it's it's just going to be fantastic. There's going to be a buzz around it, and I'm really excited to see what Lewis can do there. I still have hope that Lewis can win a race. I wow. Yeah, I know that's quite a statement, but I don't want to back like away from that statement because I've made it all year. You know what I mean? I mean, if it rains, that. if it rains, he definitely has a shot. That'd be Obviously, brilliant. Lewis is excellent in the rain. Tell you the one thing I don't want to see at Austin, though. Speaking about the Americans doing an event, yeah. we don't need those ring announcements. You know, like oh, they did in Miami. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not like that kind of yeah, <laughs> no. sporting event. When they called Please Kevin don't. Magnuson bad boy turned good, I was like, <laughs> oh, what is going on? Oh, yeah, what? Yeah. And Kevin Magnuson was sort of walked out like, oh, okay, yeah. if, you, if you want. And didn't they, where did they, what race was it where they paraded the, um, the like, people like um, Horner and... It might be Miami. I think it was Miami. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a surprise, yeah. would it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Let's Some of the cheese, they can kind of uh, calm down a little I've bit. I've got an interesting question for you guys, though. Out of the drivers, out of all the drivers this year, who would win in a rodeo ball contest? <laughs> Something I think about often. Who's scrappy? Who's scra Esteban Ocon. Oh, that's a good shout, actually. <laughs> that is a good shout. It needs to be like little light. Yeah. So you can do it. Um, Sonoda. Yeah, Yuki. Yeah, you're Yuki. <laughs> Little slight. He'll do it. That's it. That's good. Don't so Sonoda's going to win something this year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he is exactly. done. Well, we have a, a week off uh, racing and we are back uh, coming to Austin in two weeks' time. And we will be covering, of course, all right here on On Track GP. Rachel, Richard, thank you very, very much for joining and giving all your beautiful insight uh, and we'll be back very very soon for another episode stick with us we are on track gp don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll see you very soon sports social podcast network